Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. The robots always attack. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 409, the 75th, Matt, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s run, Broken Promises, is brought to you by Lakeside Inhuman Convalescence Center, <laughs> L-I-C-C, Lick. The per- perfect place to lick seven months inside a Terragenesis cocoon as you're awaiting the robot apocalypse. <laughs> well put, Pete. And a quick note from the outside world before we dive on into this episode. Some, some fairly hedged but also fairly positive news coming out of the Television Critics Association tour and uh, the buzz out of ABC that they are they are certainly optimistic that the Inhumans TV show, movie slash TV show, and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5 could coexist. I think it's hedged enough. You know, some people were like, oh, this means instant renewal. I think it's hedged enough to say um, that that they're open to a fifth season. But that's also kind of what you would say at this point when you, you know, even if they've already made the saddest of conclusions. So... Pete, some good news out of there. Do we have any other good news to share yet? Uh, just to tease, Matt, have a little something coming in uh, the next little bit. Some uh, specifics being ironed out, but uh, you will not want to miss it. Indeed, we'll have to, have to buckle up for that. But Pete, take us into this wonderful episode, episode 409, Broken Promises. When we catch you up on what went down, the teaser, Matt, Ada opens her eyes. She takes off her blood-soaked clothing. There are bullet holes in her skin. Va-va-voom. Pete, va-va-voom, but I appreciate that the episode does not make it too va-va-voomy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ada, lovely robot. And under different circumstances, I might want to see more, but I like the restraint they showed. And quickly, it's like, ooh, that's, oh, right, that's a bullet hole. That's another bullet hole. And it was kind of the perfect way, having had this mini break between the first half and the second half, or perhaps we're doing thirds, but uh, between these two parts to kind of reorient the viewer. And uh, I, I like the added little touch that she takes off one gray outfit and then puts on a different styled outfit but it still is gray and amidst this uh agent may is uh trying to come to here moaning in the background uh with music uh kind of discordant matt um you know like like robot music there was that robot christmas carol that that a computer ai uh, compiled from every piece of Christmas music ever. This sounded like elevator music um, made by robots for other robots. Well, Pete, robots need to listen to something. Um, there is, of course, the IV in May's arm, which is being uh, replaced by Ada. And in this scene, we also get kind of a, an arc of sorts set out, spelled out for we, the audience. Very subtle, very... Uh, you know, definitely passes the uh, fantastic geek sniff test of uh, you know getting exposition, and is it is it obviously exposition? This is totally natural. Uh, the idea that May must stay in this uh, in this uh, rubber room of sorts until her substitute has served her purpose. Pete, what an awful prospect for perhaps the strongest 
uh, hearted character in the uh, in the entire show. What you might say, the Pete of the uh, of the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm I'm flattered to 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 be the the Ming Na Wen of uh, the group. That's uh, wow. But uh, we're going to talk a little later on. We've we've in previous podcasts mentioned you know the stealing of identity and uh, you know, Melinda may being at the center of that uh, we'll, we'll reference it here again, obviously the way it plays out in this episode, but back at shield HQ, Matt uh, amidst the director giving marching orders to the troops here. Mac voices, his concern brings up the whole idea with Ada the idea that robots, it never goes well. They always wind up attacking because the two chuckleheads, Fitz and Dr. Radcliffe, uh, seem to have not seen a science fiction movie in the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a lovely thread of, uh, of uh, self-reference and kind of outer reference and writerly reference throughout this episode here uh, talking about those movies, uh, other opportunities in a little bit where where they're kind of vaguely aware that they seem to be on similar missions oftentimes. Um, but uh, amidst all of this, Pete, we have the character that we are calling Maybe, you know, the May robot, Maybe. Um, inculcated clearly with the group it's this high level briefing um mace colson mac fitz radcliffe and maybe so it gives you a sense of how 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 deep they are uh, how deep she is and indeed as a as a player in uh in what i guess we're gonna have to call ada prime by the end of the episode but <laughs> there's all these it's doubles on top of doubles pete um but um we also get that clear statement of the mission that they're going to be on erase ada's hard drive and get rid of the copy of the dark hold right so uh the director orders them to get to work as we hit the revised title card for this batch of episodes with the lmd prominently featured this new title card pete uh created by uh cosa vfx uh, and uh, we were given the heads up about that by uh, good old Mark Kolpak himself. He credits artist Levi Fitzsimmons, Mike Captain. Uh, he says their work is all brilliant. And it really is, you know, it's the same. I don't want to say the same. It's the same style title card we've gotten every season, every half season. But there's uh, there was there was something certainly evocative and fresh in it. I mean, I know we're in season four. This is probably the seventh or eighth uh, title card that we've gotten and uh, and big thumbs up there to Cosa VFX into the first act here and we've got uh, is it is it a flashback is it a dream we've we've got a woman in orange there's an explosion she's uh, Eastern Indian suddenly we have a man in bed who seems vaguely familiar matt where have we seen him before is this the gentleman who was in the terragenesis cocoon that simmons went to see previously and just started to uh come out of it he's looking around the house goes outside their lakeside and then he's calling for ellen uh ellen nadir senator nadir there waiting for him glad that he's finally woken up uh mentions that he had a dream about uh, mom and uh, that he had been in the Terragenesis cocoon for seven months. But hey, Matt, what's this all about, Ellen? <laughs> well, he gets a name too. He is VJ, her brother. 
Um, again, Pete, I'm kind of struck by so many times we kind of say, okay, well, it's it's exposition that's in your face up front. Totally organic here yet again. The, the I believe it's the first time that uh, Senator Nadir is being given the first name. Certainly, no, BJ, she's been named before. Has she? Okay. Yeah. Well, certainly, I needed the reminder. I can tell you that. Um, and all this orientation of you know dream of mom. So we're kind of planting story seeds for moms. You know what what happens to mom, which will be discussed later in the episode by these two characters. We get his name there, where they're at in this opulent home. It's all kind of focusing on the story at hand as well as filling in gaps from the past the whole seven months thing um really really well written here and uh clearly she needed a place as she explains for them to be alone uh what not yet clear however uh back at shield hq simmons and uh daisy are uh getting together here and they're discussing that they've put together the mystery of who must have been in the cocoon, who we just saw again, VJ Nadir here. He's had no activity over the last seven months. And, uh, well, with- Pete, he's, he's had some activity. These posts, the Pete it appears that there's some fake news on the internet, <laughs> like on, on social media websites. And uh, perhaps there's pictures of VJ riding a horse with no shirt. I don't. That's VJ without the shirt, not horse without the shirt. I think there's pictures of him uh, drinking lemonade too. These ladies were giving him lemonade. Uh, but Simmons, uh, in particular, is the one to point out. There are no kind of there. I know we've been making the joke about the pictures, but she, I believe she says there are no actual pictures of him. It's just kind of status updates and things of this sort. Um, which uh, this notion, Pete, that one would one would create a false presence online, you know, certainly um, at the very least we'll say laughable. Uh, but I digress. Um, with that, we have uh, we have uh, Quake summoned to the director. Yes, uh, amidst that discussion, there I, I like the bond that is uh, being re connected between uh daisy and simmons there uh simmons is happy to have somebody uh to talk to again fitz has been distracted you know boys with their robots matt um but that the director had uh sent uh burrows here to get quake wait my name's daisy but oh yeah you know like in the pr release uh the press release and uh, the director face to face with uh, Daisy uh, lays it all on the table there that he saved her from going uh, to prison. And now people are looking up to her. Hey, you're welcome. A different type of Jeffrey Mace than we've seen at this point. Yes. And I, I want to choose my words carefully here. There's no question that Jason O'Mara is a is a fine actor, a capable actor, multifaceted. I I am not not about to fault Jason O'Mara's performance. Rather, the performance of Mace here, something is lacking, something is off. And it was it was as I was watching, I was like, wasn't quite sure what was going on, but there is something inauthentic about Mace's presentation. Again, I have no. I've, I, in my mind, there's no question that O'Mara is doing something really smart and actorly. All of this while he's 
reiterating that they are both inhuman and even touching on this framed glamour shot he has of himself on his desk despite the fact that he's so modest the hero um, of vienna which again story seeds for down the road um but as daisy uh picks up on his words they are uh stuck with each other um, and he's determined to get the most out of her that he possibly can. We get the feeling, too, all signs pointing, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in our Level 7 segment, but all signs pointing to a, a clear PR job with the, the picture of him posing in the rubble in, in Vienna. Something is, uh, something's rotten in, uh, in, in Denmark or Vienna. Well... <laughs> The, the inhuman director, Dolph, protest his, uh, or, or rather, not protest, but rather uh, declare his inhumanness too much. Um, I, I absolutely have to agree. I mean, it, it's not even that it's a case of lousy writing. It's just they're getting out ahead of making a turn on this. And he's forthright about it, too. You know, oh, it's not as big as they made it. Uh, the question is, who made whom? Indeed. Who watches The Watchmen, Pete? Um, but that's a podcast for another day. Uh, we also get a uh, kind of a connection, a grouping together of story ties. Mace is told that VJ is uh, Nadir's brother, and they're all going to go rescue him. So Pete, it's just a good old-fashioned shield adventure with an A plot and a B plot. I like the continuity coming off of the Slingshot digital series where, yes, we had a Ramon as the uh, primary antagonist, but the, the Watchdogs... Uh, the the inhuman hate mongers there, and we're picking up that that thread again. I like too that uh, Daisy has been back, yet she's picking apart the the whole team that trusts things. Yeah, I saw the motivational poster in the bathroom. We could we can move past this now. Meanwhile, at Radcliffe's home, uh, Ada uh, can read the tea leaves the day. That's uh, Fitz and Radcliffe and. Um, anonymous agent number one and anonymous agent number two. I wonder who's going to get hurt the worst in this, <laughs> uh, that they're coming for her. Uh, it's a solid fight scene, though. The two stunties really get bashed up. I, I almost feel like, and I know we've been away from S.H.I.E.L.D. for five weeks. I feel like this episode, in the writing, in the stunt work, in the effects, in everything, it was like, all right, welcome to the second half, or perhaps if we're doing thirds, um, you know, Welcome to this next segment. Time to time to re-energize the show. Not that the first part was lacking. Just hey, fresh storyline, fresh you know, fresh blood here. Um, Radcliffe is thrown around like a rag doll, and Pete. We even get Fitz thrown through a plate glass window. Although I think for story reasons. Yeah, I found myself less drawn to the action in this scene and more to the performances in terms of the choices Mallory Jensen is making as Ada. You know, she she wasn't expecting them, but she was because she's got maybe monitoring them and she's getting obviously the the information in real time. And then, you know, the the bond that she shares, that she the affinity that she has towards Fitz, who she calls Leopold. Why are you sad? She's deactivated there, but then, you know, she's able to override her remote and uh, those upgrades there. She lays the smack down um, and then again, pulling not to the physical, but to the um, the figurative heartstrings there. You know, why are you hurting me, Leopold? I was your shield. 
So with Fitz thrown through the plate glass window, seeing the, uh, the the dead agent there, we get the first act break. Pete, this was I felt like it was a, it was a, a supersized um, section of story before we got to this first act break. I, it probably didn't have anything to do with the TV show that was on ahead of it. Might have <laughs> might have delivered a slightly bigger audience. I don't know. Um, something tells me it's kind of similar philosophies between the previous show and this show, but uh, we get an act break nonetheless. Act two opens Matt with OJ Lakeside, not that OJ orange juice. Uh, and that he, uh, VJ is even getting his favorite breakfast made by his sister, Ellen. Uh, he thought she was going to sell this place was one of the last houses their father designed before he died. Uh, but it's the perfect place to recoup with everything that's gone on here. Uh, the questions about what happened inside the cocoon. He explains it was dark. Uh, he was lonely. She talked to him to, to try to help him through it. But then there was that, that nice shield scientist, Matt, you know, I'd love when this character can tell his sister who clearly dotes on him, making him breakfast. Yeah. Remember that nice British shield scientist, from that organization that you hate because they align themselves with the sub people you don't like. Yeah. She was a tremendous help. Pete, this is the, well, perhaps not the first instance in the episode, but this is the episode to my mind where shield has decided to either gut up or shut up. And they are all in on, on, they're all in on the metaphor here, and and thank goodness because I think it's something that we as an audience have wanted, and uh, the time certainly appropriate. Pete, all this mention of the breakfast, by the way, uh, it, it occurs to me perhaps Ellen was uh, intentionally making a uh, a final meal. Um, certainly, though, the, she suggests that they go for a walk, and uh, that's the tip off to uh, to uh, some some rascally pups who are trying to catch her. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, we have discussion amongst Mace with uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that they're to prepare uh, and be ready to shoot to kill. Coulson, uh, maybe Mac and uh, Dr. Radcliffe here are discussing uh, what's going on with uh, Ada and how things have obviously changed. Mac pointing out the obvious that she wants to live. And uh, Mac also calling Radcliffe a big, dumb idiot, um, kind of despite her her desire to live. Uh, meanwhile, in a S.H.I.E.L.D. jet, we have Mace, Simmons, and Daisy. So, okay, it's not exactly a A-B story. We have like A and B and C heading to B, that kind of thing. B and uh, a half. B and a half. Uh, they're on their way to uh, to the Nadir house. Uh, they've also heard about the robot uprising. Although, Pete, it's not all dire. Um, Mace does apologize to Simmons for putting that bag over her head. Yeah, it was an interesting scene here in terms of uh, what they're talking about and the history that the, the characters have, the, the relatively recent history in, in terms of that small betrayal. Um, and then, uh, you know, Colson having to handle what he's going to have to handle with that group. 
but Daisy wants to know how they're going to find the senator and what the director would normally do would go up to the hill, Matt, like that hill over there or a different hill. Uh, Capitol Hill he's talking about, but he needs a covert way in. Mace is open to suggestions. Pete, they all just they all work so well. Uh, with that, uh, Simmons uh, offers uh, a suggestion. She shows up at the senator's office in her best Rutan Tootin Texan accent. Okay, as Agent not... Meeks, <laughs> love the name even. Indeed, um, that prompts an aide to call Nadir, uh, and then she asks him in her English accent to give uh, to, to give uh, her the phone. And with that, Pete he body slams her hard to end the act. As Act 3 opens, Matt, uh, we've got Daisy here uh, asking if Simmons is okay. Of course, she's she's come through. She's been able to uh, get the phone from uh, this staffer in Senator Nadir's office, and they can now trace the call. Meanwhile, VJ is out walking with his sister, Ellen. Hey, hey, remember that, uh, that zip line you made? There, you know, I fell off and hurt myself. Oh, wait, who who are all these men I don't recognize? Yeah, I mean, we have the Ellen apology. Then they're surrounded by watchdogs. Uh, she has some timely exposition about how it was the Chitari that killed mom. And then Pete, she just rants about hate and embracing hate, uh, not wanting change. Uh, to me, it, 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 it's a low point of the character and a high point of the episode because, as I said before, time for the show to really embrace the, the metaphor of it all. I mean, that, we, you know, there have been good episodes, there have been great episodes, there have been a few that, eh, you know, aren't, aren't fantastic of the 75. Now is the time in their world and in ours to have this discussion, and I'm glad the show is. And amidst this uh, protestation by VJ that he's not an inhuman, uh, whatever, uh, you know, I came out as I don't have special abilities, but she's insisting that uh, he is different and no longer her brother there. And, you know, again, timely. Um, certainly they did not have the results of, uh, you know, the, the election and, you know, where we are, uh, in, in the United States politically when they were writing this and even when they filmed it, but, um, much like last year with, uh, some of the inhuman stuff and the metaphors that could be drawn there consistent here throughout, but he maintains, he, he beat it. And she has them, at least for the moment, Matt, let him go. Back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ we go. It uh, turns out that uh, Ada can check out her own GPS history. Conclusion, uh, she knows how to get back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, the mysterious S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. Um, she also is able to overload their phones. She calls Pete. It's like something out of the Sherlock. All their phones are <laughs> ringing. Uh, they're able to get her on speakerphone. Thank goodness, you know, so they can all hear what she says. Uh, she's coming. The lights flicker because Pete, she's in the system. And she wants the dark hold, Matt, having gotten a taste. Okay. Wants to continue to try to unlock its secrets. When are people going to figure out, man? It's not a dark hole, but it's a black hole. Uh, you just keep falling down. 
Um, but uh, we've got Mac here. He's taking Agents Navarro and Flynn to go get Yo-Yo with the power out here. Uh, they're going to be the first line of defense. Once Yo-Yo is, uh, is on the scene here, great to see uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley uh, so soon on the show after the, the Slingshot digital series um, and uh, wants to know, hasn't any of the people involved here seen any of the movies from the 1980s? So even in Colombia, Matt, they know about the, the Robocalypse. Back, though, to the main portion of headquarters, Ada is there. Uh, she's able to take a Coulson iron hand punch, not iron fist, totally different thing. Um, she says that uh, she can she can punch like that, too. She hits him back. An amazing job done by the stuntman here. The way the, the stand-in for Coulson just goes tumbling after the hit. Again, it's like this, this rejuvenation of the, the show. May is all set to attack her, but gets shut down and cut. Yeah, which I thought was particularly interesting. But prior to that, um, with maybe here talking about protecting the dark hold, and we're like, okay, yeah, by protect it, she means, of course, and we know, absconding with it once she can knock Coulson out or steal it out from under him. But then that she's deactivated and then her face is removed, she's not in on what. Uh, Ada is doing, which I thought it was a particularly interesting way to go. And then poor Ming-Na has her face taken again and grafted onto somebody else. So Pete, what you're saying is that she got her face off, like the movie Face Off? I don't quite know if uh, Mallory Jensen could eat a peach for hours, but I'd be willing to see if she could try. Act break, then act four. Back at Shield HQ, we stay. Uh, May is waking up. She has the, the cut. It kind of looked to me like it was in a new spot. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check the continuity there. But uh, it's uh, it's her and Colson in a room. Pete, the possibility for some uh, sizzle in the air. They're all locked in. They need to just simply wait for the system to be rebooted. How many times have they been locked up together? Many. <laughs> Again, the show kind of being a little self-referential here. Um, but Pete, tell us about Fitz and Radcliffe. Yeah, meanwhile, Radfitz, as I'm calling them, or Fitzrad, either would work, uh, talk about how this is kind of like one of Mac's movies. I like, like, it's it's just his thing. It's not like a real <laughs> thing at all. A little bit of the Mandela effect where we misremember things. But uh, Radcliffe, interestingly reflective, uh, down on himself, the, the hubris he had, if only he had shown some restraint. And this is, this is delicious with John Hanna in the full scope of the episode that he's been playing this long game all along. He wanted an android to pass as a human. Now it has free will. Um, how is she not a living being? How does that not make them murderers? Can they take a life? Back we go to the Nadirs, where um, Pete, unnamed goon number one, old Beardy, who uh, played a similar hate, role. Hate Beard, as I am going to uh, call him un until we get a name here. Can we call um, him Captain Hate Beard? 
No, just Hatebeard. Just Hatebeard? Okay. Hatebeard is there as well. He wonders if she isn't soft on in humans. Pete, maybe she's even one of them. And I will forego the normal, ooh, he said one of them, it's like lost reference to instead say the hate distilled here is is palpable and timely and again a hallmark of the episode yes and as uh the the director and simmons and uh daisy enter here uh nadir explains that uh somebody has uh, one of her staffers has been assaulted at her office that she's aware of everything but hey is talbot aware and know that you're here uh to harass her doing the doing the name checking there the high high stakes dc game um it is at this point by the way that uh the daisy notes that the goons which are present are are carrying guns reminiscent of uh not what the fbi would have not what secret service or whatever might have but rather what the watchdogs carry but Pete, that's not the only little revelation given in that scene. Yes, reference is made uh, by Hatebeard that he had gotten off the phone with the superior. So Nadir, not at the top of the inhuman hate uh, food chain, um, clearly some other type of structure. But uh, the superior told him they need to eliminate the inhuman, you know, VJ. Back we go to Shield HQ, and Coulson tells Maybe that since the camera is down, the camera that was watching them, it's just the just the two of them. Pete, there's a little bit of flirty flirting there, uh, but Coulson quickly reveals that the dark hold is in Mesa's office, cloaked, and of course Ada is watching through Maybe's eyes, hears that, and discovers the dark hold to end the act. Yeah, I particularly like the the gambit of cloaking it there and how um, Ada Prime underneath uh, Maybe's skin is relaying the data there, the old switcheroo, and now she has the MacGuffin. Pete, it's Act 5. Mac and Yo-Yo are under fire. Nice uh, kind of effects-laden scene here with the long shot of the... Uh, of the uh, plane taking off and then uh, also a rather smart shot where it's kind of a 90 degree angle to that. So you don't have to put the plane in the shot. Pete, we learned that Mac has a special kind of life insurance. It doubles with robot death. And he references that uh, that payout would be to his brother who we only saw in one episode and thought we were going to see more of, but Hey, meanwhile, uh, Fitzrad get the power cranking again colson and may are able to get out and uh cornered there we have fitz confront ada yeah and i like um in the presentation of this episode which again i, I it's an especially um i mean this is not you know uh uh trip dies or you know uh, finally say goodbye to to uh, this character, that character. So I'm not saying it's writing like that, but there's such a great construction to this episode. And the notion here um, upon first viewing that, oh, our heroes did it again. They've cornered Ada and be- she can't leave because there's been a system reboot, which everybody on the team knew Fitz was going to do. So of course our agents save the day, but it doesn't feel like it's a weak 
win. It's just uh, each week they win. There's a system reboot she can't leave. No, no, Pete. On second viewing, that's all part of Ada Prime's plan. Yeah, and that's the interesting aspect of the direction the writers are painting this. You know, she tries to open the door with her finger. She can't. Nowhere for you to go. Okay. We cut back to uh, VJ looking for his sister and uh, the the watchdogs led by uh, Hatebeard there have uh, cornered him that it's best she's not there for this. And we discover his power, which is yo-yo-esque. Uh, Matt, I have as his power... He moves quick, but uh, I not have... back to where he started. So he's like Moyo, maybe. <laughs> Wait, what's the Mo stand for in Moyo? Movement. Movement, yo. Oh, well, Pete, here's what I called his power in my notes. Or here's what I have in my notes. Intercut, you know, with the whole Ada stuff. VJ cornered by baddies. Now he can swoosh move. <laughs> Takes him out. All right, listeners, you're going to let us know. The hashtag is YOMO or MOYO. <laughs> I can't even get my or, – or YOMO. Either, either works. Or hashtag swoosh move. <laughs> that works for me. Um Ada, uh, at this point, realizes uh, or not realizes slash states that she hasn't really killed anybody. That was part of the plan for this mission. Uh, it's pointed out that she did kill Nathanson. And then, Pete, as the door opens or what follows after the door opens, can we say that in this show, after 75 episodes, that has counted itself as having twists and turns galore? Probably you will never top Ward is Hydra, but even that was like we were pretty sure in one episode, not totally sure. This is maybe the most unforeseen, shocking moment, perhaps discounting Ward is Hydra. What happens next? When the robot takes the uh, Mac axe, shotgun axe to the face. And her head comes off, Mac beheading her. Wow. What was the one liner? I, I was so shocked I missed it. Um, I will admit I don't know. I was just, I it, it was it was, <laughs> it was as gleeful as one can be seeing a character get beheaded. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't know if that statement is itself uh, a reflection of uh, of the doomsday of our times, but great beheading. And uh, Fitz, there obviously he feels the guilt of what's happened. Um, we have the director and Simmons. They see VJ as uh, hate beard is getting away. And then the senator uh, runs into him. And it's the whole uh, dynamic before, you know, whether he's inhuman, whether he is not. Uh, she makes it clear that S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to make him into a weapon. Yeah, which... Um... I mean, look, I don't want to overdo it with the with the connections to the real world, but so I'll just I'll 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 contain my thoughts to the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The degree of blind anger that she brings to this, the degree of kind of anti-shield hate bubbling up here. Um Shield a group that we know is has been imperfect largely because of the, you know, Hydra embed stuff. But we've also seen it from the point of view of Workaday Colson since day one. We've also seen this 
you know, effective multicultural, multi-gender, multi-powered, uh, you know, or, or sometimes it's mental power, sometimes it's power of the heart, sometimes it's power of the superpower. So we're clearly in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s corner here, and, and just the degree of blind hate that she has, spitting lies at him, which we know is not the case. We just watched Slingshot, Pete, where they carefully you know, carefully let people into the fold and carefully are trying to keep people's powers in check, but also let them be the people they want to be. I mean, hats off here to Parminder Nagra, um, who is otherwise likable and other stuff, including our dearly departed Alcatraz. Uh, it's proof of what a great actress she is that you just buy the, the that blinding, blinding hate. And they, for a second time in this episode, through dialogue through characterization indicate that vj is somehow interested in shield as a surrogate family are they are they agents you know can i be involved which by the uh end of the episode given what happens when we see the body thrown in in the in the tag leads us to wonder how that's going to come back around so presented with the choice here um vj chooses his sister um and uh though it's seen by some as a mistake the director acknowledges it was his choice as he gets in the helicopter with the senator the scene that unfolds in the helicopter uh, i think in retrospect it's not shocking because all we've been discussing when in terms of uh uh, Ellen Nadir in this episode is the, the depth of her discriminative hate down to, you know, not not her fellow humanity brothers and sisters to her literal, you know, brother. Um, I will presume the father dead, the mother is certainly dead. You know, this is the only direct family she has in the world. And what's about to unfold in retrospect is not shocking. B but nonetheless, on first viewing, the softness with which she's saying to just just look at her just look at her and we as the audience it's not all adding up how can she how can she be accepted by these watchdogs while still not buying into their their worldview um i i think too the the casting here of of two indian actors two non-white actors i think that it just adds to this weird clashing of the point the show is trying to make and then they're they're wrapping it up in the in the um you know in in the science fiction of their their different races and the science fiction of inhumans and all of that and just the way she's saying look at me look at let me look at me and then the gunshot happens it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and pete heartbreaking over a character that with the exception of one teensy little scene we have only ever known in this episode right and i think we're, we're certainly glad that we're going to see him again in some incarnation given the way the episode concludes the heartbreaking aspect you know she apologizes and then the shot comes um, and then, of course, it's to the watchdogs, never question me again. Um, they bring up the superior again, that he's sending men. And now, hey, I need you to do one more thing. I need you to get rid of the body. Pete, back at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, it is the return of an old friend. An old friend to Fantastic Geek. That's the Ben Deary beer. That uh, that Benjamin Deary, of course, a friend of um, 
Nick Blood playing the uh, unfortunately departed, uh, at least departed from the show, Lance Hunter. And uh, just kind of was an in-joke that, that we caught pretty quickly and he confirmed next day. Um, so they keep going for that Ben Deary beer, but uh, certainly kind of a cooling off period. It's all wrapped up. Everybody's all just fine, including May, who says it's back to normal. And that's the, the story knife twisting in our heart. Indeed. Uh, while discussions of uh, films like Chopping Mall unfold between uh, Mac and Yo-Yo, um, that the the dark hold has been uh, returned. We then get the the reveal here with uh, Doctor Radcliffe talking to Ada. She's questioning him: Is everything okay? The previous model, um, and uh, that he was going to, or rather, the previous model was going to show them how. And she finishes the sentence here to live forever. Uh, but moving forward here, um, that 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 other version played her part to perfection, and now it's clear what's going on. Radcliffe talks about his speech that he made here, and uh, after today, they'll probably never let him near the dark hold again. He opens the closet door and we see there that he's still got May. Um, he's He's got a cause, but obviously drastic measures. And uh, that with uh, everybody at S.H.I.E.L.D. here soon enough, uh, everybody will get exactly what they want. The reveal here not just that he wrote ada's speech about wanting to be a real girl but rather that he is the real baddie and he is the uh he's the story engine for agents of shield colon lmd um it's simultaneously not shocking and also shocking and a little disappointing because he is so much fun on screen but at least he's got a character arc now and uh and uh quite the uh quite the story potential ahead the tag scene here from below, we can make out uh, through the water, uh, the helicopter overhead with the body being dropped and the rock attached to it there by the rope. And as it heads to its watery grave and gets down to the bottom, um, not a lot happening. And then suddenly we get that cocoon again, Matt, something brought up uh, by quite a few people on twitter um terogenesis can happen more than once at least in the comics and here we're going to that for the first time well it's certainly it's a wonderful and unique and weird shot as he's dropped into the water and um kind of a relief as that terogenesis process happens just because uh, the character of vj and the actor behind him certainly both so affable and um <laughs> kind of nice to know that there's revenge in the footing. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, first up, Ada. Yeah, I, I mean, talk about this Ada arc where when last we watched S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, before the five-week break, uh, Ada, bad person. Um, and then the, the shocking 
conclusion of Ada being bad. And it was like, oh, well, I guess they kind of oversold the LM, LMD thing. But no, no, we have there's Ada B, there's Ada Prime, there's Maybe, <laughs> there's an army of robots, Pete. It's next thing you know, the, you know, <laughs> in the event that that, um, reality business celebrity show on nbc happens to get canceled perhaps they get the host of that to come on over and play a robot guy again there's just all sorts of uh, potential here well the interesting factor is that the robot under the skin of ada is now under the skin of the character we're calling maybe the imposter may the ada exoskeleton Maybe, um, you know, that one destroyed another one made by um, Dr. Radcliffe. But maybe as a character, as I indicated before, um, you know, initially when she's she's shut off, unaware of what she is and uh, the, the lifelike quality that's going on there, the, the debate that happened earlier with Fitz and Radcliffe as far as murder and everything there and uh now being further entrenched they all think the lmd threat has passed when really it's uh only gotten more serious they don't know that they're in a story arc that abc is advertising as agents of shield lmd <laughs> they don't they don't get the advance they don't get the episode synopsis uh before they go on their missions they don't. It, it's it's terribly shocking. Well, you know what else is shocking, Matt? That uh, a Washington senator would shoot her brother in the gut while looking right into his eyes. Pete, just when you thought fictional Marvel Cinematic Universe, Washington D.C. couldn't get any more sleazy, more questionable. Um, yeah, I'd say this is this is low even by 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 the multiverse standards here. Um, again, in part because the, the the message is so clear, the message of hate, uh, or, or obviously not embracing hate, but the message of she is she is getting rid of the last of her family, or at least so she thinks, um, because she is so tied to this hateful cause. And um, I mean, it, it it which is to say, the bonds of family is so relatable to everyone, regardless of siblings or parents or whatever your unique and wonderful family situation is that you cannot you can't feel anything but but absolute disdain for her that she would that she would um trade up her brother for you know now he has uh super zippy superpowers obviously a metaphor for other things in our real world but take it at the literal and it's like you just shot your brother in the gut because now he can dodge punches really quickly it's reprehensible. Speaking of hate, speaking of hate, Matt, uh, a character we 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 know him. We don't like him. We like not liking him. Hate beard. This actor, who, uh, as I'm sure I said earlier, played a similar although likable role on uh, the show The Last Ship, uh, which I watched for a couple seasons and kind of you know fell away from. Um, kind of playing the rascal, the rogue, the guy with beard and the long hair long head of hair um he certainly is good at what he does and i buy <laughs> i don't know where this is he a compliment is he, to the he dumped a body he dumped a body that de then underwent terrogenesis a second time no doubt like oh all right 
uh, pats hands against chest. That's done. Off to next thing the bad guys need me to do. This this guy, he's so consumed by his hate. He's a screw up. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of uh, that's what the show is going for, isn't it? They're, they're they're certainly going for the 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 shorthand abbreviation of of these people, not just blinded by their hate, but acting on their hate, letting it spill not just into their not just out of their kind of personalized personal views, personal interactions, but you know he had a hand in killing a guy merely because he had undergone pterogenesis. It, I mean, it's. Um, this is what science fiction is supposed to be. Perhaps it's not science fiction at its best. I mean, this is this episode is not, you know, the Twilight Zone. It is not the greatest of Star Trek, etc. But this is what you should be reaching for. And uh, the man I like to call Sergeant Mister Major John H. Hatebeard. Um, he he just he just has it all in spades. And then finally, a reveal a year in the making. You bring on John Hanna in the second half of the year last year uh fitz and simmons tracked him down and in that club they were looking for biotech and now the ultimate payoff having used the the shield technology and reputation uh to build this lmd that he's been behind this the whole time and that he is the looming threat matt we'll talk some theories in a little bit but what do you think here about Dr. Radcliffe? Well, Pete, I can tell you this. If there is one kiss of death on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it is men similarly aged, men in particular, similarly aged to uh, to fan favorite, the beloved Clark Gregg. Men around his name never last for too long. Wait, 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 Matt. Bill Paxton, he's going to be on the show a while, is it? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. How about Edward James almost? He's going to be. Oh, yeah. Wait, Kyle McLaughlin. He's he's Daisy's dad. He'll be in the. Oh, geez. Yeah, you have something. You have a point there. So, I mean, <laughs> the the end is nigh, uh, whether it's, you know, by the end of the season or whatever it is. The end is nigh, certainly for Dr. Holden Radcliffe. But um I mean, let's have fun with it while it is. Uh, maybe he gets a clunk on the head or or something like that, like uh, Daisy's father, and and you know, there's uh, I don't know, there's there's some sort of uh, redemption at the end. But um, yeah, officially, I'm I'm starting my 24 clock beep boop beep boop. You know, it's going to happen for Doctor Holden Radcliffe this season. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. We'll begin with the Nadir matriarch, Matt. What is that all about? Well, I wonder if we are going to get more, certainly with VJ still uh, alive. Um, we certainly could loop back to that. The flip side is this. This is always such a show that moves so quickly. Do we possibly... You know, like, is that kind of it? Do we just get kind of the, you know, flashback dreamscape um, backstory of uh, the mother um, explained later in that scene with, uh, you know, the dying at the hands of the Chitari attack and that being the thing which advances, um, which retroactively advances the story forward? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I 
somehow suspect this might be it just because, you know, five episodes from now when it's like we're on, you know, something completely different, it might it might matter less. How about what took place in Vienna? We've all got that sinking feeling that obviously the director is not who he says he is. Matt, is he even inhuman? Well, it wouldn't be that impossible. In fact, Pete, here's the line. What? He's not inhuman? That must be Stark Tech. Maybe Hammer Tech. A slimmed down version of the Iron Man suit. You know, beneath the suit he always wears. Peter writes itself. Um, well, and, and as, I, as you do not watch the previews for uh, future episodes, Matt, let's just say they've strongly hinted that uh, you're barking up the right tree. <laughs> and you know what? I, particularly the first half of this season, the, the, the fall block of episodes, I think there were times we were fairly wagging our finger at some of the narrative stuff. Not that it wasn't a great ride, but I think that there were, there were episodes that lacked a little of the pep. Um, conversely, I have no problem seeing this, um, seeing this Mace reveal, whatever it's going to be, seeing it coming a mile away in part, because that's what happens when you watch 75 episodes of agents of shield, where they're constantly looking for twists and turns. Uh, and as the audience, you can start to expect it. That doesn't mean it's any less fun, we're in the roller coaster here, and we're also at a point in the season where we know it's not going to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. bids Gemma Simmons goodbye. Like, if anybody's getting killed off, uh, it's going to be at the season finale, like every other season. Until then, click, 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 here's the roller coaster, get ready for another ride. And even though you know it's not actually uh, the Yeti at the top of Expedition Everest, you can still enjoy the the conceit of it along the way superior matt have we met him already and i have a follow-up Ooh, that's a delicious question first of all are we sure based on what we've seen in the episode and not pete's advanced knowledge are we sure it's a he uh i no i don't believe we we are at all okay is it somebody we have met before um oh this is fun this is great fun I want to remind everybody before I say this, because I think I'm 100% right, um, that I am spoiler-free Matt. Uh, yes, Pete, we have. It is Burroughs. Superior is Burroughs. Dramatic reveal. Guy who's been in the background so long, some of you have stopped paying attention to him. You're wrong. It's Dr. Radcliffe. Next point. VJ in the cocoon. What will he become? Well, I didn't know that in the comics you can pterogenesis twiceuses. That's interesting. That's neat. I also don't know that the rules need to apply twice. Like, I don't know that the rules from the comics need to apply the same here. I'll tell you what would be a nice reveal from VJ is that the kind of derivative powers of he can avoid punches quickly and then hit you. Um, that's kind of lame and kind of yo-yo's thing. And clearly they're, you know, committed to having Natalia Cordova Buckley be a greater part of S.H.I.E.L.D., not a lesser part. Um, so maybe he comes back as something a little bit more interesting. I am hoping maybe it's a Marvel version of the DC character, Black Lightning. 
I am hoping that he just comes back as a, a, a human version of an insect. I want like a uh, reverse uh, moth thing here. I want him to be a giant caterpillar. <laughs> wow. And, Pete, and then season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can cross over with season uh, seven or eight of uh, Once Upon a Time. It can be the whole like Alice in Wonderland, the caterpillar crossover. Colson goes to storybook land or whatever. That, that that's when it might be time to hang up the podcast. But until then, I'm with you, show. <laughs> Let's check the wire. Matt, first in a message received via Facebook from Jamie Bender. And Jamie writes, Hey guys, I wanted to drop you a note on the weapon used in the Slingshot series. It appears to be the plasma particle beam from the 084 episode. It was then stolen out of the fridge in Providence, not the location, uh, but the episode Providence and the, uh, the, the secret location known as Providence. Nothing to do with Rhode Island. Or, or is it? I'm, I'm ad-libbing all of this. Uh, then used by Coulson to kill Garrett in the tag scene of Beginning of the End. I'm not sure how the watchdogs got a hold of it since then. It definitely looks like the same gun and explodes people just like it did Garrett. You guys sounded like you might not have known what the weapon was, so I wanted to send that information your way. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, I know uh, for me it was while watching the episode it kind of was like, hey, I think that's that thing all the way back from season one and I believe in the podcast, Pete, you might have made reference to to the 084. I did. I Uh, wasn't pulling in terms of I mean, we've seen some some things. I wasn't sure if that would be the very thing. I mean, you get a blue glowy gun that you know dematerializes people uh you've seen one you've seen them all am i right (laughs) Uh, there are many blue glowy guns out there in the universe i think there's a whole room of them at shield hq it's like men in black but you know a little different the blue room yes uh pete to our gmail account we also got an email from definite friend of the podcast bob keely that's dr bob in some circles and uh he said the following he said hi matt and pete uh i like it when they put my name first by the way Pete. that, that, that earns dr bob extra points um he said my daughter is a professor of communications and a mother to my two-week-old granddaughter eloise so oh, hats off to you dr bob and your daughter congratulations indeed Um, He says she has written about podcasting communities uh, like the one I'm a part of that you gather together, the Fantastic Geek community. I don't know what your religious background is, but I know you appreciate good writing. So I'm sending this on to you, thinking that you might enjoy it. It is not long. And uh, he sent us uh, to a gave us a link to um, a brief post by uh, Ms. Bethany Keeley Jonker. And uh, I'm going to post a link in the uh, show notes. You'll be able to see it on uh, your probably your podcast app, at least a link to it, and uh, fantasticgeek.com. The article is entitled Podcasts and the Mass Mediated Fellowship. Hmm. And that's uh, talking about how, you know, fans come together and then starts to talk about uh, about uh, Christians coming together and whatnot. And um, 
certainly a uh, it's a nice read, Pete. Uh, I'm sending it your way, and I hope our hope our readers take a look at uh, the writing of New Mom, uh, Ms. Keeley Junker. Well, thank you, Ms. Keeley Junker, and thank you, um, Bob, for uh, thinking of us and uh, crediting us with uh, gathering a community together. I'm flattered. Yeah, it's uh, it's it really is a nice reminder, particularly as there's been all sorts of discussion from a variety of quarters lately as to the role of social media and whatnot. And it's nice to be connecting to people who we've never seen, but connecting with people who we, 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 we commune together over geek stuff and other stuff. And that certainly is nice. You know, it's a nice reminder that we can uh, find our way through some of these rocky water waters, certainly. So uh, thank you for that uh, email and that sentiment there, Dr. Bob Keeley. And there are those who feel so connected to us, Matt, they go to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek. They choose themselves a perk and they, they help keep the engines running. Indeed they do. Uh, our pal Jamie Patton joined that bunch recently. So we thank her and uh, certainly encourage you all particularly. I know I say it, but this really is the season where, where some of those uh, annual costs do, uh, do come home to roost, do a crew. So we appreciate everybody who is uh, helping lend a hand whether it is great or small, whether it is one time or recurring, it uh, it all it all goes to help keep our podcast overlords, you know, keeping our stuff on there on the net and such. Thanks again for your help, Pete. With that, something that uh, something that everybody gets for free is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R. 8,712 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole bunch of ways. You could be like uh, the aforementioned Jamie. You could be like Bob. Uh, we are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. You can email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out under Fantastic Geek on Instagram and Twitter and fantasticgeek.com. But Pete, is there more? There is facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word there. It's simple, really. There's a little thumbs up, which also is called a like. You click on that. We're never going to be far away. Well, that Pete, we will be back. Joy of joys next week to podcast more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All while we continue working on that secret thing, Pete. But we won't talk about that right now. Instead, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. As you said, we're stuck with each other. <laughs> <laughs>